this series may offend certain sensibilities. I was like, oh, f*** you. Radio Drone. Welcome to another Thursday evening. I am Josh Hadley. I don't know why I'm kind of stoic there, but with me is Cecil T. Robot. Yes. And he's direct and <laughs> to the point. Okay, what are you, high? One of these days I'm going to have something. I know, I keep giving you an opening, and you just go, nah. Yeah, I just kind of lob it back to you. Just, just do the damn intro is what you're telling me. Before we get into the show, if you guys want to go to adamandeve.com, Pick out something, something nice for yourself or somebody else. Use the promo code DROME. You will get 10 free items. You'll get 6 free DVDs. A free gift for him, a free gift for her, a free mystery gift for both of you, and free U.S. shipping. All you have to do is use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. We're recording this right after Christmas. And with all the hoopla that's come out about the movie The Interview... Let's talk about controversial movies, sometimes why they're actually rightfully controversial and most of the times why it's stupid. The thing with the interview is it doesn't matter whether this was North Korea, whether it was an inside job, whether this was some over-orchestrated scheme for publicity for a movie that's basically bombing with critics. It doesn't really matter. The fact is the interview is probably one of the most controversial films of all time now. Whether you've seen the movie or not, what do you think about the controversy surrounding it? The the controversy, I mean, up until recently, everybody thought that it was North Korea basically saying that uh, we weren't allowed to see the movie. You know, if we released it, they were going to have some kind of horrendous backlash. It was going to be reminiscent of 9-11. I mean, that really brings up a lot of visions in people's minds and just horrific things and the bottom line is that we needed to stand up against this regardless of where it came from you cannot have some you know an outside force telling the american public what we can and can't watch if it is a movie that was produced by a studio that was set to be released on christmas and you have either hackers or an, you know, an outside force saying, you know, do not watch this. It's very important to stand up and say no. And we we were witnessing a little bit of a scare because when Sony initially said, you know, no, we're not going to be releasing this movie, that was bad. But that started the old slippery slope because then the Alamo Draft House was like, okay, well, instead of running the movie, we're going to run Team America: World Police, a ten-year-old movie, and then Paramount pulled out of that and said, no, you're not allowed to run that movie. And that kind of is where it starts. It's like, okay, well, you censor this movie. And now immediately after, a movie that's 10 years old gets censored. And then if something else might have popped in, that might have gotten censored. But thankfully, it didn't get to that point. They kind of came to their senses. And Sony listened to the people and said, no, you know what? The right thing to do is to release this movie and uh, get it out there for people to see. Regardless of the quality of the movie, regardless of how you feel about this movie, I know a lot of people were like, oh, God, just who gives a shit? And it's like, no, this is more important than the movie, because someday, you know, the old someday they'll come for something that you really care about. 
and then that will be the time when you stand up. But at that point, you can't say anything. So it's in the end, it's a good thing that they finally said, screw it, and they put the movie out. Well, controversy about movies is nothing new. I mean, just in our lifetime, just off the top of my head, I, I can name a dozen to two dozen movies where there were protests or people saying, this shouldn't be allowed to be seen by anyone decent, blah, blah, blah. Why do you think people take movies so seriously? Especially in a case of, say, some public tragedy happens. 9-11 happened, and then all of a sudden, Arnold Schwarzenegger's collateral gets collateral damage gets pulled, or, or something like that. Or the, or the Aurora Batman shooting happens, and because Gangster Squad had a shooting in a movie theater, that gets pulled and re-edited. Do they not realize that the movie is not capitalizing on whatever the tragedy is. It just these things happen to be together. Or do you think it's people that are just looking for an excuse to bitch about something? I think it's a case that people are just looking for uh, something to attack, something to bitch about. They did that with Spider-Man, where they took out the whole World Trade Center sequence. And in my opinion, that does a disservice because it's like, okay, now you're negating the existence of this. A lot of TV shows that took place in New York where they had cutaways and they would show a shot of the of the, you know, uh, the Twin Towers. Well, now when they put them into syndication, they put in a different transition shot. And it's like, no, this is something that existed. But now by altering it, you're removing it from existence. You're removing it from people's minds. And it's like you're not doing anybody a favor. It's like this is something that is going to sting for a while. But it is something that existed, and by taking that away, it's it's just it's wrong. And and that always frustrates me because it's like you're going to have a bunch of people that something like that happens. You have uh, there was an album that came out right around uh, the time when um, the Twin Towers uh, were attacked. But that rap and album, the, right? Yeah, the the rap album where it was like the guys were blowing it up, and yeah, and it I, was I do like, remember that. Yeah, and it was like okay, yeah, that was you know that was a tasteless, but they there weren't terrorists. You know, like, just, it's silly. But at the same time, remember when the Rhode Island, the heavy metal band Great White, and had that tragedy where all those fans of theirs burned to death in that Rhode Island nightclub? Mm -hmm. Literally two weeks later, there was a CSI Miami episode, starring John Crichton, by the way, that was about a rock band accidentally locking their fans into a nightclub that gets caught on fire. It was taped a month before the accident. People were calling the CSI producers tasteless for capitalizing on this tragedy. You do know we made that a month ago, right? We're not capitalizing on it. It's coincidence. Like a medium, the Patricia Arquette show. They mm -hmm. had to actually have Patricia Arquette and the guy that played her husband film introductions because of a two or three episode story arc where he gets caught in an office building when a crazed shooter breaks in. Right when that episode started to air, there was a crazed shooter that took hostages in an office building, and people were calling CBS tasteless for airing this episode. Should real events affect the movies at all? Should the movies have to go, oh, whoa, you mean that actually happened? Pull the movie, pull the movie, or just can't people go, it's a f***ing movie. So, like a similar thing, and this is when you get people that are just bitching out of control. There was a poster for the recent Michael Bay produced uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It is a bunch of 
uh, it's the turtles and they're they're kind of falling off of a high rise. And the the way that it, the poster looks, it's kind of looking up. And it's, it was it's a, a low angle shot. It's a low angle shot, and it's not a poster that was ever released in the U.S. It was released in like Brazil or somewhere. Australia. It was the Australian. Australia. Poster it was the Australian poster. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about then. I know and, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And people were like, this brings up images of 9-11, and how dare they? Especially like, because of the Australian release date was on September 11th, 2014. Yeah, it was just, that was an unfortunate coincidence. This is a case of sometimes you got to realize America, as big as we are, we're not the world. And something like that. If that poster was released in the U.S. and the movie was coming out on 9-11, then maybe you might have a point. But it just was an unfortunate coincidence. And honestly, I had seen the poster and I didn't really think anything of it. I never, until I, all never these... I never had that image either until I saw the, all the controversy and I'm like, you are really seeing things that aren't there. Yeah, you're grasping here because we, we have a, uh, a world of people that are looking to be offended. They want to be offended. They want to complain about something. And they don't understand where something like the CSI episode, or when the time frame that that comes out, they don't understand. Those shows, they don't make them and have them on the air in like three days. You know, they take, these things are shot, like you said, that was a month or so beforehand. And it just so happened that it came out around then. It was an unfortunate coincidence. There was the season finale of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The school shooting, right? The school shooting. I remember that. They actually were smart about it. What they did was they, that was the season finale. What they did was, because it happened right around Columbine, they ended the season one episode early. And then they waited until the new season started and they opened the season with the finale. And what happened was there was, there was a however many month gap between the two. So by the time that premiered, it was, you know, it was kind of already in our past. So people were able to kind of move on. And the fact that it was like, okay, it's a school shooting. There's a bunch of kids with guns, but they're fighting a giant demon. There's a distinct difference between that and Columbine. You you had the same thing with, remember the, I want to say, oh, four TV series invasion on ABC happened. Yeah. It happened to air right after Katrina. It was about a hurricane bringing aliens into a Florida town. They were swept in by the hurricane. And I, I was working in an ABC station at that time. And I remember they actually considered postponing the series for a few months, but then they, they aired it where it was supposed to. I already had a copy of the unaired pilot. They actually put, a goddamn disclaimer on the beginning that they know to some people these events are still sensitive. They don't mean to offend. Remember the X-Files spinoff, The Lone Gunman? Yeah. The pilot episode airing six months before 9-11 was about the U.S. government flying a 747 into the World Trade Centers so they could blame a foreign government on the attack so they would have an excuse to go to war to try and get the oil. Now, obviously that struck a chord six months later the dvd set has a warning on the cover a sticker i don't know if the current versions do but when it first came out they had a sticker that said due to graphic and shocking 9-11 content this series may offend certain sensibilities i was like oh (laughs) you well the unfortunateness of it is that there are a lot of people that aren't going to know the time frame of it and they're going to see it and then they're going to be retroactively offended 
And... The pilot episode of 24. They had to remove, I've got a copy of the unaired pilot. They had to remove the shot of the plane exploding when Mia Kirshner blew it up with her vibrator. Let's go back to 1992. Do you remember all the hoopla about the premiere of, and I'm quoting here from one of the newspaper articles, the new pornographic police show, NYPD Blue? I don't remember them calling it pornographic. I remember them being very upset about it and uh, talking about how it was uh, the the language was so salty and, uh, you know, it was not fit for, you know, uh, not fit for a, a child audience. And it was like, well, what kids are going to be watching a cop show? <laughs> In all honesty, the pilot is still pretty graphic. I showed it to a friend of mine last year and he's like, I don't know if this would air on ABC in 2014, let alone in 1992. It does have, it's got side boob, it's got David Crusoe's naked butt, and probably two of the best lines ever spoken by Andy Sipowitz. Hey, Miss District Attorney, you really prosecuted the crap out of that one. I went with the crap I had, Detective. Oh, you think that was a Hummer bust, huh? You saying I queered that guy's tire? I'd say race ips and loquitur if I thought you knew what it meant. Hey, Ipsa this, you pissy little bitch. When was the last time you tried going on a wagon? When was the last time you tried growing tits? <laughs> this is 1992, 9 p.m. on a Monday night, over the air. I do remember there were, I think, NYPD Blue, It was they said only 60% of the country got the first four or five episodes because stations refused to carry it. I remember my dad watching it, so I, I know our our area did carry it. But 40% of the country did not get to see the first few episodes because the ABC affiliates were like, whoa, no, too controversial. It, it is funny because uh, now, uh, like you said, there is a lot of stuff in there that uh, they, they wouldn't air at like 10 o'clock at night on a on a major network and it, it's that's why the major networks they're getting their their asses handed to them with the other ch uh, cable channels because they're actually putting out content like game of thrones and like dexter and walking dead and shows that adults want to watch they put out these milk toast watered down things that are safe for for lack of a better description safe for middle america well even middle america is getting tired of just these safe running shows you know they want something but NYPD a little bit blue, but nypd blue couldn't even get away with made-up words there's an episode in the first season where sipowitz was he he told a so you were rubbing all up and down in her gunya and the censor said you can't say gunya david milch the writer's like i, I made it up i made <laughs> up that word and they said well it just sounds too filthy coming out of sipowitz's mouth so NYPD Ugh. Blue couldn't even get away with words they made up. Meanwhile, South Park had an episode 181 times. They said shit. For some reason, no one, David Milch says on camera, he does not know how they came up with this number. You could not use any racial slur, epithet, or swear more than 37 times in a single episode. But, but here's how David Milch got his revenge. Now, keep in mind, you couldn't use a slur more than 37 times. So when he created Deadwood on HBO, they used the term cocksucker exactly 38 times in the pilot. <laughs> that was his intentional dig back at ABC from when he worked on NYPD Blue. Do you remember when Chicago Hope said shit happens unbleeped back in 1997? No. 
Yeah. Uh, I never, well, that was a hospital show. Yeah. And uh, they also had an episode with full frontal female nudity. And it was because it was done tastefully and was built into the story. It was about a woman who was in a debilitating car accident and had reconstructive surgery on her vagina and breast to make them look normal again. And there was a two-second shot of her looking at her put-together new body in a mirror. And it went through uncensored because of the context of how they did it. Well, I mean, context is important. But I do think that sometimes they, uh, I won't say sometimes, a lot of times they go way overboard and they read too much into things. How about Bruce Paltrow back on St. Elsewhere in the 80s? They, at, at one point, one of the characters got breast cancer. And so they actually got a video from the American Cancer Association, okay, to run as like a PSA within the context of the episode. NBC censored said, can you get a woman with a smaller nipple? <laughs> Bruce Paltrow's like, I got this from the American Cancer Association. Do you really want me to go to them and say, the network says the nipple's too big? And they were like, oh, okay, 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 okay. That's the kind of stupid crap we had to deal with in the 80s when it came to censorship, man. Just arbitrary. Then, then you wonder how they got away with stuff like freaking uh, All in the Family. Because, man, I mean, you want to, like, you talk about a show that, that they barely want to run in syndication because of the content. All in the Family would never air today. Never. Oh, no. Hell no, not even the, dude, the, even the Jeffersons wouldn't air today. But then, it, but, but a lot of it is slipping things past the censors. For instance, the pilot of Futurama. Remember the part, remember the, there's the scene when the cops break in and Bender literally shits a brick? Yeah, which is great. Matt Groening specifically put that in the episode because he knew they were going to cut it. He said the censors never feel good if they don't cut something. So you always put something in you intend to have them cut out. Not only did they not have a problem with it, they used it in all the promos. It wasn't until after the episode aired he got a note from, from programming and censoring. They didn't get the joke until somebody told it to them. <laughs> so Bender shooting a brick only passed because they didn't get it. Oh, that's funny. My Name is Earl got in jokes I cannot believe aired on commercial television. Remember, remember the strip club run by Burt Reynolds? His name was Chubby, and he ran a strip club. I know, subtle. So at one point, they had a new salad bar. And remember, they're at a strip club. Randy mm -hmm. comes in and asks what the sneeze guard is. And he's told it's in case somebody sneeze, uh, sneezes on it. And she's wiping stuff away with Windex. He goes, somebody sneezed on it? She goes, no. <laughs> There's another episode with an anal sex joke I couldn't believe. They're, the cops are sticking an anal probe up Earl's ass because they think he stole some stuff. And he tells them all the crimes he's ever committed. So he goes to his wife at that point. She's like, you told him everything? He goes, when somebody's got something up your butt, you'll say anything to have them take it out. She goes, why do you think I told you so much on our wedding night? How did that ever make it through on NBC in prime time? Yeah, I mean, and that was a pretty big show there for a while. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're clever enough, you can slip this through and they don't even notice, which is the best way to do it, I think. Wasn't there one, uh, I, we talked about it a while ago, they put it in, they, they put, they snuck something past the censors, and then the censors figured it out after it aired, and then they wanted to remove it, and they were like, no. That actually it... happened with a, with a movie, Transformers the movie. Look! It isn't even dented! Oh shit, what are we gonna do now? D.E.G., Dino, Dino De Laurentiis, mm -hmm. never noticed it until after the movie was in theaters. He didn't know that, oh, shit, was there. That's why 
for almost 15 years, all home video versions were, oh, what are we going to do? Because I, I wasn't supposed I think it's to back be there. In, I think it's back in with the DVD. It is back in on the DVD. They even put in, the, honestly, they even in the kids version left in the open, god damn it, open. It's just and, always uh, nice to hear a robot say, god damn it, you know? And a little heli on the Energon. Let's swing this back to movies. Remember the controversy about Dogma? Oh, the controversy with Dogma was fantastic. Kevin Smith was protesting his own movie. How dare he say that that Jesus had siblings, that, that Joseph and Mary kept having kids, and these people are still technically the, the descendants of Jesus Christ? How offensive! Not quite the same vein. Remember? I mean, you were too young, or actually you probably weren't even a zygote yet, but Silent Night, Deadly Night in 1984, the, the idiotic controversy around that, Oh, yeah. I, I talked about that uh, on one of my shows a lot where there were people protesting because kids were going to see this and they were going to think that Santa Claus was a killer. And I'm like, hey, kids aren't going to see this movie unless you let them. Except in this case, they won. The distributor oh, got cold feet after t- I think it was out in theaters for two weeks. And then they pulled Silent Night, Deadly Night out of theaters due to the controversy. Nowadays, I think a, a clever marketer would have said, dude, we can use this. You don't let the weirdos win. Well, they need to realize the people that are protesting are the minority that were never going to watch your movie to begin with. Exactly. Why do they always kowtow to these people? They they get all these, you know, they get these form letters in the mail and oh god, we have to listen to these. No, you don't, because these people had no interest in watching your movie to begin with. They're just sending you this because they want to dictate what everyone else can and can't watch. And it's ridiculous. They fall for it time and time again. If they would just stand up and give these people the middle finger and just say, no, we're going to put the movie that we want out and we're not going to listen to you. But sometimes it does work. Remember the Terry Ricolta nonsense with Married with Children? For those that don't know, Terry Ricolta was a bored housewife in California, I think, who decided that she didn't like what she saw in a Married with Children episode. Specifically, the episode Her Cup Runneth Over, where Steve and Al have to go to Wisconsin to get an an irregular bra for Peggy because her boobs are two different sizes, which is a really funny premise, I think. It's a funny episode, too. Oh, yeah. Terry Ricolt, remember, this was on at 7.30. This was on within the first half hour of primetime on a Sunday night. Terry Ricolta got so offended that not only did she strike up a protest against it, she was actually smart. She went to all the companies that advertised on Married with Children and said, if you keep, you know, like Kraft macaroni and cheese and whatnot, if you keep advertising on this show, this vile, filthy show, I am going to start a boycott against your company. So all of the advertisers started to pull out. That started to affect the bottom line. Do you think Rupert was going to let that happen? So they eventually caved and eventually it got to the point, the episode I'll see you in court didn't air in America until 2010 in syndication. Insane. Because they were so afraid of it coming out so shortly after her cup runneth over. And keep in mind, with a show like Married with Children, you never even saw the titles. The titles were something that was a behind-the-scenes thing. They were even so scared that they had an episode where all three girls' periods synced up, and it was called Period Piece. They changed the title of that episode which no one outside the production was going to see because it might be controversial. Look at like some of the other weirder controversies. Remember the controversy surrounding the crying game? Oh yeah. There were uh 
with the whole, uh, you know, because uh, penis. He, with the, with the, the well, it was more so that that she, you know she was really a he, and that was that was offensive to people, and and it was like I, I wonder. No, you know th- why it was offensive to people? Because they were going, "This is a hot chick." Holy shit, it's a dude. That's why they were offended. They were turned on by a dude. I would not be surprised because they were they were really because Jay Davidson. He really did look like a dude, a chick. He, though. you got to admit that he, he kind of was channeling a uh, little Ray Don Chong, and uh, yeah, I mean. It would. Ha- I mean, I still. I didn't like the movie. I thought it was awful. But I didn't. It wasn't because of that. It was just I didn't think it was a well-paced movie. It would have been nice to have been surprised. But uh, I. I think that I don't know who broke the the thing. I, I think it might have been about Ebert. The controversy long before I saw the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's the thing. So by the time I saw the movie, like when I, I was like, "Up, oh, dude, dude, dude," and then finally when the big reveal came. It, it held, you know, it didn't matter. It was like, uh, I knew, you know, so that kind of that kind of hinged the whole movie on that was then he had to spend the, the rest of the movie deciding, well, I really love this person, but I'm not gay. You know, do I stay with them or do I, you know, uh, it, it just so. Yeah, but people freaked out about that movie. But the thing was, that is a case of where it probably worked in its favor because it became controversial and they still released it, then people were going to see it regardless. And it ended up, didn't it get nominated for Best Picture? But yeah, I know it early, got that nominated. That was the early days for, of Miramax. Yeah, 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 the early days of Miramax. Now Miramax would probably edit 20 minutes out of it and then, you know, change the story around. And, well, how about some of the more dumb controversies? Like, do you remember Disney's Aladdin having protests about it? No, the only thing I know about Aladdin that's controversial is the uh, is is the the priest's penis. What? <laughs> you don't know about that? There's um when when the priest is or wait, was that Aladdin or was that That's uh, Hunchback uh, of Notre Dame. Or was that Hunchback of Notre yeah, Dame? Yeah, that's why I'm like I'm like what are you talking about? There's there, I don't even recall a priest in Aladdin. Okay, it's I'm mixing Ar- it's, it takes place it's an, in an Arab an country. Arab. All right, I'm mixing I'm mixing up my Disney movies. <laughs> so that, that's why I was like, what? Yeah, well, because I'm thinking the puffy pants, and then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. No, that was, the, that was yeah, that was Hunchback of Notre Dame, where uh, you, you see the friggin' uh, the priest as a boner. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, Aladdin, it was the anti, the American Arab Anti-Defamation League came out saying that the film perpetuated Arab stereotypes, and they specifically wanted the line about having your hands cut off for stealing removed from the song. <sighs> Along the same vein, remember the 1985 Oliver Stone Michael Cimino flick, Year of the Dragon? If you don't remember, that's fine, because nobody did. It was a gigantic bomb. It takes place in Chinatown, dealing with a white cop dealing with the Chinese mob. It was it was racist against Chinese people because it used Chinese stereotypes. <laughs> but it was Chinese. Exactly. What did you expect? You know, it's almost like you're not allowed to ever portray somebody in a stereotypical manner. Like, if you portray a black guy as a thug in a movie, well, that's racist. But then if you portray the black guy as a non-thug in a movie, they'll go, oh, now you've taken away his cultural identity. You can't win. Well, well no, you you can use stereotypes, but they have to be positive stereotypes. Like, if you use a stereotype that there's a black thug, that's racist and offensive. If you use a stereotype, it's a black guy with a really big penis, that's okay because it's a positive thing. 
you know, it's it's unfortunate, but stereotypes are are there for a reason, you know. And I mean, that's like like they'll put a movie and it'll be an Irish guy and he'll be drunk and people will be offended by that. And I'll be like, you know what? We are <laughs> like, sorry, you know. I mean, sometimes I mean they are there for a reason. Not and and it's the whole what thing you, of Cecil. What do you say to yes. an Irish? What do you say to an Irish girl with two black eyes? Nothing. You've already told her twice. Uh, you're really going to reach that far. I think I heard that when I was 10 are, are all stereo, you know, are stereotypes 100% accurate? No, that's why they're stereotypes. That's why they're stereotypes. But the thing is getting offended about them. It's like they, there is some foundation in reality. So, uh, you know, uh, Italians like to eat a lot. Uh, you know, uh, Puerto Ricans have, and wear track suits. Puerto Ricans like to do crazy shit to their cars. I mean, it's it's not necessarily a negative thing. It's just something that happens and that people choose to be offended by them. Exactly. And then it's choose to. I have never seen a Cheech and Chong movie where they said this movie's stereotypical. This this movie's racist against Mexicans. Why? Because a Mexican man made it. So mm-hmm. is it not a stereotype if the stereotype made it? Is Boys in the Hood not a thug stereotype because John Singleton's black? I, who knows anymore? Well, how about let's dip all the way back to the beginning of film. 1896's The Kiss. This film was actually declared porn. 1896. 1896. Eight. Okay. 1896. Yes, I said all the way back to the beginning of film. Wow. The okay, Kiss I, was declared. I thought you were talking about the other The Kiss. No, this movie was declared pornographic because a man and a woman kissed for a second. It was a one little peck in a silent film was considered pornographic back then this film was actually pulled from theaters because it was considered pornography in 1896 wow so i guess there wasn't a lot of public displays of affection in 1896 <gasps> she's showing ankle god i just, can you imagine going back in time and showing like the freaking uh, the G, the lord of the g strings or something <laughs> oh this is pornographic the da vinci code it's an awful movie why in the hell was the Christian church so pissed off about this terrible movie and book? Uh, I think that that's one where uh, the the book was, was such a big seller, and then that they were making the movie out of it, the, it, it was almost like guaranteed that the, the, the Catholic church was going to be all pissed off about it. The Catholic church is one of those things where uh, more recently, I'd say probably within the past... 10 years actually maybe longer than that if you want to do something controversial but you don't want to really go all in like you don't want to uh you don't want to do something anti-muslim because that's like pushing it too far but if you want to do something that will raise a few eyebrows do something that's anti-catholic do something that will like demean the catholic church in one way shape or form because the catholic church will get all up in arms and they'll send bill donahue out to uh you know to 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 talk about how this is wrong and evil and whatnot and then the record company or the movie company or whatever will just be like all right great, we're going to release the movie, TV show, whatever. And then that'll drum up some free publicity for them. I mean, Madonna's been, you know, doing the whole anti-Catholic church thing for the longest time. Then Lady Gaga did some anti-Catholic Sinead church O'Connor. things. Sinead O'Connor. Sinead O'Connor did Saturday Night Live, yeah. Where she ripped up the, the picture of the Pope. and Fight I the think, real enemy! Yeah, and everybody was just like, hey, could you sing, you know, that song where <laughs> nothing compares to you? Uh, <laughs> that's That's what we kind of wanted to see. 
so yeah, I think that that's kind of the uh, the safe bet is if if you want to be controversial but you don't want to be too edgy, you go after the Catholic Church because that's the easy target that the the studios feel strong enough that they won't back down to. Well, how about something like Ralph Bakshi's Heavy Traffic? a film that is full of racial stereotypes, intentionally so, because it is making fun of racial stereotypes. And it's trying to show that these stereotypes are stupid for a reason. Al Sharpton started a boycott against the movie, and he didn't even see it. He heard what the movie was about in the 70s and boycotted it, despite the fact that it was a major hit with black audiences, because they got the f***ing joke. Wow. Well, he just needs to... Stop sticking his nose into everything. <laughs> he is one of the most virulent racists I've seen this side of Rush Limbaugh. I, I really don't, like, I saw, I mean, with, with all the controversy that's going on right now, there was something that really uh, stood out that uh, somebody was like, there was a picture of him going to have lunch with the president. And they were like, this guy owes $4.5 million in back taxes, and he's having lunch with the president. If I owed $100 in back taxes, I would be having lunch in jail. Well, yeah, all you need to do, anyone that tries to defend Al Sharpton, just go up to them and go, Tana Brawny, and walk away. They won't have any response. A film I know you love, I don't know if it was in the version you've seen or not, how about Thriller, A Cruel Picture, a.k.a. they call her One-Eye here in America. During its original theatrical run, during the rape scene, the distributor inserted hardcore scenes. Oh, it wasn't just during the rape scene. It was during, like, there were a few uh, points in the film. Whenever uh, there was a segment where one of the girls was was having sex, because ba- for people who haven't seen the movie, a group of people that will kidnap young girls and get them addicted to heroin, I believe, and then force them into sex slavery. During the sex scenes, one of the distributors didn't think that the movie was all that good and wanted to kind of spice it up a little bit. So he inserted scenes of hardcore pornography and it was close ups of like the act. So you couldn't see like you couldn't tell that it wasn't the actors or actresses, but you kind of knew because the body shape of the people was significantly different. There's no way that little dude has a cock that big. How about now? I, I agree. This movie did deserve its controversy because, and I also I also think Steven Spielberg and John Landis should have gone to jail for this. Twilight Zone, the movie, the the death of Vic Morrow and the two children. Oh God, yeah, dude. They how they, their lawyer really skated them on that one because that one's really tough. Like I don't know specifically if they should have gone to jail, but there were there were a lot of things that ha- it was it was one of those. There were so many little things here and there that all led up to those three people dying, and it's, well, it's, it's tragic. What really came it came down to was whether the jury, and they eventually didn't believe this guy, believed one of the PAs on the set. He testified that after the helicopter pilot told him, if these flash pots go off like the way you've got them set, I, I don't know if I can keep the helicopter steady. John Landis agreed and then turned to the PA and said, do it like we wrote it because he thought it would make for a better shot. Mm. And then the helicopter crashes. That PA testified against Landis, but I think John Landis is a murderer. I think he's a straight-out murderer. I don't know. That one's, that one's tough. Uh, as, I mean, he, he was acquitted in a court of law. That doesn't always mean, you know, I mean, O.J. walked. The, it's, it's a tough one. I don't, uh, you know. I'm just saying and, my opinion I, opinion, I will always see John Landis as a triple murderer. 
it's it's sad too, and it's really weird too because the footage because they filmed the scene and I've it's seen on the YouTube. Footage. I've seen the I've footage. seen the footage numerous times. It should be looked at as more controversial, and I think now it's just because it's been so long. I mean, how many people even still know that? How many people how have many watched people that even movie? Know who Vic Morrow is? How about a movie we've talked about before? So I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. Cruising, 1980, a movie where almost every single character is gay. And almost every single character is a pervert who can do nothing except think about putting something in their mouth or in their butt. Basically, according to this movie, gay people are constantly thinking about sex with other gay people. Constantly. Their lives revolve around sex. Cruising was 70s? 1980. Pretty much probably produced in the 70s and then released in or 79. It was based on a book from the 70s, yes. But it see, there are certain times where... That is a reflection of the world at the time or the country that it comes out in at the time. As bad and as homophobic as it was is kind of a mirror of the way that that people felt at the time. It's, you know, they saw that gay people were, you know, just just they were just sexual predators when they're they're not. They're they're people. It's just so it just so happens that they prefer the company of, you know, another man or a woman prefers the company of another woman. But at the time they were looking at it as Oh, these are these are these despicable people that they're they're constantly craving sex and they'll come for your children and they'll give them the gay, you know. And uh, it's it's sad, but it is no, it's no, a no. piece um, of time. No, no. What they'll do is they'll ram the gay down their throat. Oh, God. One of the most sought after films Disney has ever made, they have said will never be released in a digital format. Song of the South, 1946. Honestly, the film, I don't consider it racist. I've, I've got a VHS of it. I, uh, I know somebody who has the Laserdisc of Song of the South. It's not so much racist as it is a reflection of the time it takes place during. You know, people are like, oh, man, all these, all, all these Uncle Toms and the, the black people's also talks like this, Massa, Massa. At the time, that's what it was like. So are you trying to say that them being historically accurate is offensive? They people don't look at it from that perspective. They they I mean, will, yes, Uncle Remus is offensive now. But again, it's people are, are retroactively offended. It's like they're not looking at things from a historical perspective. Is is it offensive? You can't like I don't like it's hard to be offended by that because it's like, all right, look, this is kind, this is the way that things were back then. It just like look at it as like a time capsule. Be glad that they're not like that anymore. You know, we've we've kind of grown and we become better. Well, some of us have become better people. And I think Ferguson has shown no, we haven't. Well, that's a whole other thing altogether. I mean, talk about movies, not to, but I'm just saying with something like that it's like just take a look at it and look at it as uh, much like the other thing it's a time capsule this is you know how the world was at this time like old cartoons and stuff are is, is there offensive racial humor in there yes a ton of it that a ton mean, of it that doesn't mean the jokes aren't funny i think the worst thing about song of the south it's not a good movie it's boring it's almost saccharine it's just not a good movie I think that's the biggest offense that Song of the South has against it. It's just not a good movie. How about a movie like 2006's Short Bus that had just barely overagers engaging in real sex on screen 
yet somehow it's not considered a porn. Or a movie I think is vile and disgusting. Kids. I don't know why Kit, the movie Kids gets so damn much praise. It's a, it's a god-awful movie. You always go, you know, you got to spend 90 minutes with these characters. I don't want to spend 90 seconds with these scumbags. Kids and short bus are offensive to me just because you have actual children or underagers engaging in sex or almost sex for art. Kids was was Larry Clark, yeah. who is is known for kind of really being edgy uh, in the in terms of uh, underage stuff. Actually, his one movie, Ken Park, it's not even allowed to be sold in the U.S. With kids, kids came out at the right time where uh, there were all these uh, independent movies that were catching a lot of public uh, attention. And kids being it, kids that, was early into the NC-17 rating as well. The uh, the controversy of the of the subject being is that it was these underage kids that were doing things that kids that age were doing. You know, kids that were 15, 16 years old were uh, they were getting per- drunk and having unprotected sex. Fine. As far as kids is concerned, I don't think that they because they're uh, the the memory that I have. I haven't seen kids in a very long time. The only two scenes I I remember of there being sex in the movie was one where he was having sex with the virgin in the beginning. And it was like an extreme close up of their faces. So you couldn't really tell what they were doing. And then uh, in the end of the movie, the Casper is was it Casper? I think it was Casper, where he was raping a drugged Chloe Sevene. And again, he uh, like it was like a close up of her of like the two of them, but you couldn't really see them having sex. So, but I mean, it was it was edgy. And I think at the time, um, I think the, the those kids were actually a little older, so they weren't they, they were playing 15 year olds, but I think they were like 17, 18. So I don't know. I don't I don't think that um, it, it's it's tough because it's like, OK, if they're having sex on film, obviously that's wrong. But if they're uh, if they're kids that are acting like they're having sex, it's it's a weird line because it's something that they're that kids are doing. You know, I mean, but filming it is is a completely different story and, and profiting off of it. And I don't it's 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 a very weird thing. And especially, too, because in other countries, they're not you know, they're they're more strict on violence and whatnot. But uh, I think that as far as kids having sex on film, it's not right. I don't know. The Larry Clark stuff is very edgy. And well, I, w- I wouldn't even say edgy. It's just it's often it's just kind of it's pseudo edgy. It's pseudo edgy because it's it's kid underage kids having sex and and all his stuff always has like that that pedophile pe- pedophile <laughs> pedophile not as bad like as Victor Silva angle. oh well well that's because Victor Silva is a pedophile well how about when when a movie when an exploitation movie is controversial for being too exploitative Ilsa She Wolf of the SS again it's not a very good movie. I None think of the it's it, are particularly good. The reputation far exceeds the quality of the film. But then, since it's an exploitation movie, isn't that the point? To, you know, exploit? I, I don't think that they're really... I've seen exploitation films that are far worse than the Ilsa movies. I think that they're just notorious because of the name that kind of goes along with them. I enjoy them to a certain degree. Uh, I think, like, I, I kind of laugh at them a little bit more. Uh, I, I think that they're, they're about as well made as a Roger Corman woman in prison film starring Pam Greer. And Pretty Sid much. Yeah. You they're know, not, uh, they're not very good movies. 
no, they're not good movies. They're movies to like see if you really do enjoy exploitation and you you know you want to. I mean, because they're they're some of the most famous slash infamous of the exploitation films. I mean, there are people that don't even know what exploitation is, but they've heard of the Ilsa movies because the the name kind of precedes them. Really, know much beyond the fact that there's this giant woman making the same pose on every cover, you know, just in a different <laughs> outfit between the legs. Yeah, just that that you know, Ilsa, she wolf of the SS, you know. And <laughs> okay, how about? Something weirdly mainstream, but not David Cronenberg's Crash, a movie that I don't know how I feel about. I I don't think it's all that well written. It's very well made, extremely well acted. I don't think it's all that well well written, and I definitely do not identify with a single character in the film. So I don't know what I don't know. I'm I'm weird on Cronenberg's Crash. It's it's an odd movie. It's um, it's not something that you really want to watch if you're in a good mood. It's uh, it it's it's a movie that you know deserves to to have a right to exist. There's nothing horrendous. just because I didn't necessarily like it doesn't mean it can't exist. It just I didn't like it. Right. Well, that's the thing. That's what a lot of people. That's that's where the problem comes in. Is there are a lot of people that are like, I don't like this. This offends me. It doesn't have the right to exist. This is you know you don't like this. This offends you. You have every right to not see it. You don't have the right to tell other people that they're not allowed to see it. How about so, how about when the film industry itself says you can't see it? 1986's Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, which is honestly one of the most brutally intense and realistic horror films I have ever seen in my life. It spent four years on the shelf because John McNaughton could not find anyone to distribute the movie. It did not come out until 1990. No home video distributor, no theatrical distributor, not even someone on 42nd Street would touch Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. And that kills me because this is something, okay, yes, it is. It's a hard sit, and I mean that in a good way. It it is a hard sit, but it's something that isn't real. These are actors that are playing parts, and this is all fictitious. Now, granted, it has, you know, um, uh, seedlings. Fantastic actors. Michael Rooker and Tom Tolles. Michael Rooker is if awesome. You, Tom Tolles, I think, is even, even better as Otis because mm-hmm. he comes across as so much more happy to be doing it. Henry doesn't seem like he likes killing people. It just needs to be done. Otis gets off on it. There's a big difference in the two performances, intentionally so. Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, but it, it's just funny that you know none of this is real, and yet people are offended by it, and you know, some, you know, distributors won't distribute the film. Meanwhile, porno, real porno, is constantly released. The most, some of the most horrible shit people will be doing to each other, and that that kind of comes out, and it's almost like it's just kind of overlooked. And, it, and I don't have anything wrong with porno, but I'm just kind of citing that as an example. Even the most horrible porn will find a distributor, but for some reason, movies, especially ones that have like a, an element of controversy. Now, I can understand uh, something like Cannibal Holocaust having a problem finding a distributor because which it did, actually, which it did because they they killed animals in the movie and that's where i draw oh, no, the line no 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 not even for that i mean they did do that and i think that's vile mm-hmm. but because of how brilliantly diodato marketed the movie oh he, that it was he, yeah. he had he had the actors 
signed contracts where they couldn't appear in any other films on TV and a magazine or anything for a year. He sold that movie as, I really killed these people on camera. He sold it as a snuff film, which is brilliant marketing until it means no one will touch you. Flowers of Flesh and Blood, where that had to go before the courts to prove Diodato that had to do the same thing. He had to prove they that, that they didn't this kill people. people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, but the the thing with me with with um, I can only watch the uh, the not animal censored, cruelty but the animal version. cruelty free version because that's the thing that's where I draw the line. If you make a movie, do makeup effects, do all kinds of fake stuff, whatever, because none of it's real. But as soon as you actually take Michael a Chimino life, really blew up a horse for Heaven's Gate. It's not worth it. No, it's not worth it. No, no life is worth putting there's on a, film. There's a scene at the beginning of Cannibal Holocaust with John Saxon back when they're in Nam, where a dog comes out with dynamite strapped to him and they don't cut away and the dog explodes. And if it were an American movie, I'd go special effect. This is Italian. I went, they really blew up a dog. To round out the night, let's talk about a hundred year old movie that to this day is still one of the most controversial films of all time, Birth of a Nation. Do you think Birth of a Nation deserves the controversy that it has? Yeah, I think it deserves the controversy that it has. However, much like Song of the South, much like a lot of the, a lot of other movies, it has every right to exist. It was so, it was something that happened in time. This was what was filmed. This is Cecil, it's also an incredibly important film. Griffiths broke film with this he did things with film with storytelling with editing that had never been done before he invented new filmmaking techniques for birth of a nation no matter what you think of the politics of the film it is one of the most important films of the silent era yeah i absolutely will agree with you i think you know the the message that is within the movie is it's wrong. disgusting but and it, but unfortunately it is it is something that happened. And if you try to remove that, if you try to take that away, then you are negating a, a period in time that you're negating and you're forgetting, you know, what what has happened in the past. So you're, you're taking away from that. So unfortunately, it's it's like you can't. The, those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. That's it. Absolutely. So it's like, look, you know, we need this as a reminder. Oh, Right. Don't do that. And now I know we left off a lot of mainstream controversial movies like Natural Born Killers and The Exorcist and Clockwork Orange or Orangey? Clockwork <laughs> Clockwork Orgy. I, I, I wanna I wanted to talk about some of the more obscure things and we, we talked a little bit about the T V stuff. What are your final thoughts on controversial movies? Do you think that that people need to be getting this worked up? over a movie no matter what the controversy is whether she has a penis whether it's black stereotypes whether it's 9-11 imagery or anything do you think people need to just go it's a movie i think they need to remember the context when there's something that is a hundred years old and they're trying to have it banned then you, you know you have to remember that you know okay no you you can't do that you can't ban art Regardless of your feelings on it, regardless of how offensive it is, it's something that was created and something that does exist. And as of now, the controversy where you had uh, hackers or North Korea or whatever trying to say that you can't release this movie 
that's something that we have to stand up and say no that you cannot stand in the way other people i don't know i, I don't know i've heard that they're making a grown-ups three i'm thinking about hacking oh you know grown-ups you know that's where i draw the line i i don't know maybe another medea movie i might have a problem with no but in all it, seriously even the medea movies have every right to exist but you have the choice of not going to see them. Video games, television, movies, comic books, whatever it is, you personally or the group of people do not have the right to say whether or not this gets released. You do like you can you can tell people that you're not going to buy it. That's the word, you know, vote with your wallet. If there's something that comes out that offends you and you don't think that that should be supported, you know what? Don't buy it. Don't pay attention to it. And guess what? If, if if other people feel the same way, it you know it will bomb. I mean, look at um the Passion of the Christ. That movie probably if if people didn't flip their mind about it, people didn't go out and protest. Again, another movie that wasn't nearly as good as you'd think it was for its controversial level. Oh my god, people were freaking out about this movie, and they were protesting. And if nobody had said anything, if they would have just let it come out. It would have come out and it would have tanked because nobody gave a crap about it until you started saying that you can't see it. Similar thing with the interview where nobody really I didn't give a crap about the movie until, you know, until you had these people saying that you couldn't see it. And then it was like, you know, they put it out there and people saw it and it's probably going to do going to do better now because of that. But uh, yeah, there's controversial things exist because somebody will always be offended by something. I'm going to start a boycott against this goodbadflix.com site because you I, son I think, of a bitch. I think nobody should go there. I don't think any there's any reason for this site to exist. I don't think so either, but you should go there immediately. Maybe <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> I was trying to set you up and you're you just were, not well, at first my cues, man. At first I was like, "Wait a minute." And then I'm like, "Oh, I see what you're doing." Yes. No, nobody go there. You know, it's it's horribly offensive. And it's got this this guy who all he does is is talk about bad movies. Sounds like a boo. Sounds like a robot. Yes. And you can go to 1201beyond.com if you want to be offended, because who doesn't? And you can go and buy a T-shirt there or whatnot. And remember, we do now have a Patreon for Radio Drome. So if you want to help out the show, there's that. You can contact the show at 1201beyond.com. And remember, if we're controversial, I don't care. I'm horribly offended by that bat going down on the girl. I have t-shirts of that, and you should you should buy t-shirts of that because it was offensive for a reason.
Radio Drome is a 1201 Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.